This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Thank you, Javi. Um, I just want to say before we begin the questioning that I'm, I'm an immigrant, I'm Latino, I'm a visual storyteller, and I'm very proud to be able to show a true family value films of a Latino queer family uh, because we don't see enough of them. And uh, I totally com- commend uh, Matt and Patrice and the team here that was willing to invite us and to bring this film uh, to a wider audience. And, uh, and also I feel like right now that you're like a family uh, raising Zoe family, and I'm just going to announce something that I was—I didn't tell Abby before because I didn't want to make her cry. But um, the little dog in the film, Zoe's dog, passed away today, and um, yeah, Dante actually, and uh, so the family is very, you know, sad because of that, and so am I, and so is my producer John, and I just think that's one of the things that we do with with storytelling that we capture a moment in time that will live forever in celluloid, but people's lives are, you know, their people pass, and they live an indelible uh, 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 feeling in your lives. And, I, and little Dante, you know, he was the first person that greeted me when I went into that house, and he's always been there, and we just saw him last Thursday. We had no idea that his time was up, and uh, I know the family is very... Uh, sad about that event, and you know it's like a family member, and uh, they're grieving right now. So uh, I will, you know, I'm grieving with them. Moment of silence for little Dante. <laughs> I just had to share that, you know. Um, so I guess I'll I'll start with the first question, um, and I'm gonna. Um, a lot of these questions are gonna start with like. Why is this so impactful? Because like it's, I feel like this um, this film really, like I said, sheds light to um, specific issues that you know trans members within um, you know families go through, and what families go through when um, they have a trans kid or a trans family member, right? Um, so the first question is, why is the mission of the film so important in our political climate today? Well, uh, you know, I started shooting the film two and a half years ago. Um, I premiered last July at Outfest in L.A., and um, I, I thought, like, I'm sure a lot of people here in the audience that we were going to have a different outcome in November. So it was going to be a film that was going to be celebrating this queer Latino family, and it was going to have a healthy run, and we are going to have a lot of happy moments and memories, and it didn't happen. You know, and um, suddenly I had so many people calling me that they wanted to show the film. I've been showing a lot of campuses in Europe, in South America, and it's because now we this become a militant film, a, a film that calls you to act upon whatever that's going on in your community that it's that is unjust, that it goes against your core humane beliefs. And I think it really is a wake up to the parents and to the community at large to say you have to stand up for the, your kids' rights. You have to stand up for the youth 
in your family and your community. And I think Ophelia is one of the, you know, the examples to follow because without her and Letty, the older sister, Zoe wouldn't be in the place she is right now as a confident young woman. And we need a lot more of that, I think, in America right now. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and I think um, going off of that, um, what is the impact of possibly showing this film to educators for, like, from all grades? Um, because as we see in the film, you know, Zoe is facing so much discrimination within the school system and how the school system hasn't um, basically shown support for trans students and especially right now since, you know, um, under this current administration, um, the federal law was removed to protect transgender students within um, the, the school education system. So can you speak a little bit about that? Well, I mean, you know, Zoe is lucky, and the kids who grew up in California are lucky. Uh, we do have a, 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 the law, like uh, James mentions in the film, uh, that's been in the books for a long time. But most Parents, most families, especially in our communities, do not know about their rights. So one of the things that's come out of the film is that there being a lot of more uh, opportunities for Zoe and Ophelia to talk about the rights the kids have in school, right. to express themselves as who they truly are. And I think, unfortunately, this is not the case in a lot of states, as you well know. Uh, but it's something that I think, for instance, AB. 1266, which is something that has to do, it's an ordinance to allow Zoe to use the bathroom that uh, that conforms with her gender identity. It's a law that's been passed here in California only. And in a lot of places, you know, you know, Texas, North Carolina, the the, uh, the reverse has happened. And I'm sure there's a lot of ordinances. I know even before November, there were almost I think 31 or 41 ordinances that had to do specifically about the bathroom uh, situation. And that's very distressing to the family, to Zoe, because she's afraid of going, for instance, to go with the film to another state that is not as uh, supportive. And I think I, you know, I feel like I have to bring those films out to those communities, to those schools. And if anybody in the audience or somebody wants to do that. I think the film is uh, family-friendly enough and child-friendly enough that it can at least begin to start a conversation because that is something that is very scary to kids. You know, I mean, they're just coming out. I mean, we see them even younger, six, five. We had screenings. We had five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and they're already being discriminated and, you know, bullied and all of that, and they don't even know why, you know. And I think parents also have to be educated and do research, like Ophelia mentions in the film. And yeah. that's that's why this is so critical, because once you introduce it to the school system, this is a way for students to be, I mean, for parents to be able to get some access in terms of, um, you know, some knowledge um, about how to be a supportive parent to uh, a trans child, Right. Um, so I just wanted to <coughs> comment on that and, and how this film really sheds light on um, the specific things, right? Like, how did Ophelia 
um, navigate with Zoe about accessing um, hormone replacement therapy, right? And um, what it meant financially and, and healthcare and stuff like that. So definitely this is something that is critical and should be shown in all schools from all grades. Thank you. Um, so the next question is, um, your earlier films focused on trans activists in Peru and the U.S. What made you turn it towards the experience of a trans teenager? Um, well, uh, like you just mentioned, I'm right. originally from Peru. I came here when I was 13. And I always look back into, you know, even though I've been here over 40 years, uh, I always look back into what's going on in my you know, my country. Um, and years ago, I went, I think it was maybe about 10 years ago, I went back to Peru and I just saw something that I didn't like, uh, which it was my gay friends were, you know, disrespecting the trans community. and mm. But they didn't want to really be out in public about it. It was only in in you know in like private discourse and I wanted to make a film about what was that what was that because I knew what it, it I knew the term you know uh, internalized homophobia right they did not you know they just thought that they were like you know the worst example of the of the community and because they were all always out there you know dealing in sex work right. or being outrageous and flamboyant and and so I. I went out to make a film about that internalized homophobia. Obviously, nobody wanted to talk to me about it on camera. But I did find a group of trans activists who said, yes, we're eager to tell you our story. And that was the beginning of my career as a documentary filmmaker, my first film. And I have to, I'm very proud of it because I've seen the growth of those trans activists. Now, I just went to Peru two months ago to show Raising Soy. Soy. They all came out to my screening. Wow. They are running their own nonprofits. They all got back together with their families. They have boyfriends and girlfriends, and they have really strived. Well, not all of them, but some of them. And it's just really uh, warmed me up that that's the, my family, and I just wanted to be able to really show the strength and resiliency to live openly and proudly in a country which has no really rights, where LGBTQ people do not have rights whatsoever. I mean, they're still fighting just to be able to to identify themselves as who they really are. So, and to go back to the U.S., um, I was lucky enough to, one of my biggest supporters of my Peruvian films was this, which she's become now a national renowned trans-Latina activist, Bambi Salcedo who i know uh, now for about seven years. I talked her into allowing me to film her about her life and her work, and which is the film that you saw here three years ago yeah. called Transvisible. And I'm so proud to say that Bambi's become like um, all the dreams and desires that she had and she talked about in her film are becoming true. She started her own nonprofit in... February, she's one of the coalition. first. Translatina yeah. yeah, the Coalition Translatina, Translatina Coalition. She's one is one of the first trans-led organizations of that kind, uh, run by a trans woman, trans-Latina woman for trans-Latina women in LA. So I, I I can say enough about her. 
definitely. So Did, didn't they just open a, a center up? Also? Yeah, like uh, in February. In February, yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that it, that was one of the first like um, centers that specifically serves like you know trans uh, trans people, right? Like it's it's um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was basically led by Trasatina Coalition, so that was a really awesome, um, great thing to 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 hear about. Um, okay, what's the next question? <laughs> um, how did you meet Zoe? Um, what made you decide to focus on her story? How did you find about her? Find out about her? Well, uh, she came to the sc- uh, the premiere of my screen of Transvisible in 2013. They were actually uh, Bambi's guests. Wow. So, but at the time, you know, Zoe was 12, and I did not ever imagine that they would, you know, I would be making a film about a trans teen. I, I had seen already the, their advantages and the pitfalls of becoming a public person by watching Bambi, how she navigated that a new experience. Um, and, you know, you, when you put yourself out there, they're like sling and arrows that come sometimes from outside the community, but also from within the community. But I know, you know, Bambi's a warrior. She could take anything. But I didn't think that Ophelia and Zoe being so young that she would be able to do that. But luckily they had already done some PSAs. And when I told, you know, I told Ophelia, well, this would be just a part of your advocacy and she just agreed to say to to do the film and that's how you know and then I followed them for a whole year before I started editing yeah wow and I guess going off of that like talk about your relationship with um Zoe's family um how long did you you already said that did you fill them for 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 a year about a year yes from the uh, a month before she turned 13 and a month after she turned 14. Um, did your relationship with the family members evolve over the course of the filmi- filming? Like, did y'all get closer? Oh, did, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're my intentional family for, you know, all purposes. I mean, I spent Christmases with them. We just had a birthday with them. And that's why I'm sharing that loss that we had today. Um, it's, it's, it's like family, like any other family. There's a lot of highs and lows, and I'm happy to be able to be there to support them, to be like a big uncle for, you know, for Zoe and uh, support for Ophelia when she needs it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, they're like family now. Yeah, definitely. That's so beautiful, yeah. yes. Um, what particular constraints were involved in telling the story of a teenager versus telling the story of an adult? Well, like I mentioned to you before, you know, I knew about the, the pitfalls of being in the public eye. I think, um, you know, you have to be really strong to be able to navigate that. And even though, you know, Zoe is very confident and sometimes I'm filtered, sometimes that come, can come back to bite you. And I always tell right. people... Remember, she's only a 15-year-old. She's 15 right now. She's going to be 16 in a couple of months. But she's 15. She's still growing. She's still evolving. But she has this platform, you know, to talk about her life, to talk about issues, you know, that are concerned to her. Uh, it could be beauty. It could be suicide. It could be bullying. And we have to uh, see it through her lens, 
and not try to... I think I find in the community, especially older women, sometimes they're projecting mm. on her, you know, some kind of, you know, role model status that she has to be the perfect little girl and all of that. And she's no, she's a teenager right. and she has her tantrums like anybody and she has her strengths. And I'm always defending her because uh, I heard things that, shouldn't be said about a teenager ever. ever. I don't care yeah. what public persona or private persona that you have. And, and I think that's always something to be very, you know, uh, considering and respectful of as a, as a filmmaker right. towards your subjects. Yeah. Right. What surprised you about the way stories, Zoe's story unfolded? Um, well, I mean, I think I was really blessed and privileged to see a lot of firsts in that year that I was filming. Uh, like, I, I loved her happiness when she got that prescription. Right. You know, um, uh, the, you know going to, with them to New York, uh, first time that Zoe was in a, in, a, in a plane, you know, first time that she was out of California. Uh, all those things were just... Uh, really magical to be able to capture and document uh, uh, and just being with the family and getting to know Letty and Ophelia. And now they have a grandma came from Mexico to live with them. So she's part of the whole very strong (laughs) female centric family. And, um, you know, and that's something I gravitate towards. So. um, Awesome. Tell us more about your decision to use Zoe's artwork in framing the film. Oh, that was a no-brainer. Um, at the time I came into the picture, uh, Zoe had had hiatus from drawing. Uh, there was a, a big, the, the main picture that I used with the whole family, with Dante and, and Barney the cat, uh, was still in the living room, but it was hidden behind other things, you know. And I said, why are you hiding this beautiful drawing? And I said, oh, so he doesn't like, you know, to look at those drawings. And I said, and I didn't understand why. Right. And Ophelia, of course, she said, but I have them all hidden somewhere. <laughs> that Zoe had been drawing since she was a little girl because that used to be her only outlet, you know, when she was, didn't have any friends and she would come home or stay home from school, she would draw. And she would draw a lot. Dark stuff, nice stuff, the way she wanted to perceive herself with pink hair, with curls as a princess and all of that. And so I just took a a gander to all the drawings that she had, and I took the ones that told the story um, about that specific moments in her life. Because I think she really drew some facial expressions and situations that were for a little kid, I don't know how old she was at the time, maybe 10 or 11, she right. was so perceptive of you know, creating the nuances of the facial expressions yeah. and the dynamics in that director, mom, you know, meeting. And, and it was just like, I, I, I'm always so in awe of her. Luckily to say, I, we were there last week, and... She started to draw again because she stopped for a little bit because mm. it reminded her of, you know, bad times, like she yes. said. And she's drawing again. 
She writes, she sings, she dances. She's like, a, you know, all around. And I guess that this was my last question. How is Zoe doing now? <laughs> well, you know, Zoe is, um, she's a survivor. She's a trooper. She's multifaceted. Um, I think she can be whoever she wants to be. And right now she's a sophomore in high school. Uh, she has her challenges. There are things that she likes that she dislikes. I mean, at that age, she's already dealing with relationships, but she's mm. very strong. I mean, she has, you know, two strong women that she can rely on, her mom and her sister. And she surprises me constantly, you know, because you think she's going to be really, um, like, docile and girly, and she's not. She's very feisty and, you know, um, unfiltered and mm. strong. And um, she's just an amazing, amazing girl. I really, really... Um, like, I, I think I was going to say before, um, you know, like, uh, uh, Patrice was mentioning uh, they're going to show Tangerine. And, right. And um, you'll get to meet Maya Taylor. Maya and, Taylor. And, you know, actually, Zoe reminds me a lot of Maya when I met Maya when she was 19. And I hope she continues to be as strong and assertive and confident and she has these aspirations to become a filmmaker or an actress or whatever it is. Because I saw that in Maya, and I see the same star quality in Zoe. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you. I guess we'll open up for Q&A. Does the, as, does the film get shown in schools, though? That's my question. Are there schools that are brave enough to do this? Uh, or is the film usually shown in like support, you know, school support groups or community groups? I'm just wondering about where it has been able to circulate. Oh, thanks for your question. Um, well, so far it's been shown in only two high schools. And I, have, I was not there. Uh, it was actually Ophelia and Zoe. And one was at a local high school in Downey. And um, apparently everything went well. Uh, people were very supportive. But personally, I've been shown in more in like university settings. Um, organizations, and of course the festival, because the film is still going on very strongly in the festival circuit, uh, which usually brings the choir, you know, it's like, you know, LGBTQ people who want to see themselves being represented on screen, but the most eye-opening experience that I had, and I was telling Abby about it, it was my screening in Peru. Mm. Uh, In Peru, I showed it in February to a very mixed audience, activists, Lots of parents, people who never heard of, you know, trans before. And especially to see a, a supportive parent, a parent who's proud of having a transgender, you know, daughter. Uh, and the audience's questions were very mixed. Uh, they did not know that kids that age could possibly even know what their gender is. Uh, which can happen here as well. Doesn't, you don't have to go all the way to Peru to find that kind of a questioning. But I just reminded people that there are trans women in Peru, they were in the audience, and there were children as well, but they just couldn't come out. And, of course, they wouldn't be able to tell their parents because it was just like something you don't do because mm-hmm. there's no societal support, there's no psychological support. In Peru, it's a kid starts even showing some evidence of 
being effeminate or tomboyish, first thing they do is going to the therapist. Conversion therapy is very popular in Peru. And so I understand that parents who want to be supportive probably are just so petrified to even come out and speak a word to their families, to their priests, to anybody. And, and, I, and they were like, yeah, you're probably right, you know. So um, it was uh, an eye-opening uh, experience for them. And I, actually, I've been invited back in June to bring the film and hopefully to create more situations where we can keep com- you know, talking about this and having more parents being brave enough, because that's what you will have to be brave enough to mm-hmm. come up with their kid and say, this is who my child is, and I'm proud of them, and I am support them no matter what. Yeah. Was there a reason why our brother was never shown during the film? Mm. Yes. You're so <laughs> uh, very observant of you. The brother, and I have permission from Ophelia to talk about the brother briefly. Uh, the brother actually has a, a mental condition, and even though he's very supportive of Zoe, he was not instrumental in her, you know, uh, growing up because he had his own issues that had nothing to do with she being raised or she being who she is right now. But he's very supportive, but he's been out, in and out of institutions for the, you know, the last four or five years, so... That's, that's another story. That's an, a story from another film. Yeah. Hi. Um, so based on everything that you've experienced with this film and also just within the community, what do you foresee for the LGBT community within the next five to ten years? Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you asking me that today? <laughs> have, you, have you been on Facebook today? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Well, I hope, you know, um, that this storm will calm itself down and we will continue to resist and vote different people into office and that parents will continue to stand up for their kids and that the communities will stand up for their kids by voting, you know, for kids' rights. Because what's happening right now is basically infringing on their on the more most basic human rights, which is the right to health care, the right to go to the bathroom that you're supposed to go to, and the right just to be exist. And that's one of the things that I, you know, I feel really privileged that I have um, this film that gives me the platform to continue to advocate for the people that are not sitting here with me, advocate for the, all those trans women of color who are being murdered, I mean, there have been already eight murders this year that we know of for all those gender nonconforming kids who are just can't come out, you know, even to themselves because of the fear of retaliation. And, and I think, obviously, to advocate for Zoe because, I mean, I know her and I know she's always going to be out there. She's never going to be stealth or back into the closet. So I fear, like, the same way that Ophelia fears for her safety, you know. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm sorry that today I I have a bleak, bleak answer to your question, but um, Mm -hmm. I think we just need to, like I said, and Ophelia says it in the film, you have to stand up, you have to step 
up and you have to speak up and vote and just always be there for somebody who needs you, you know, intersectionally, you know, just LGBTQ. It could be in the immigrant community. It could be the Muslim community. It could be the African-American community. We all are really under siege right now. We need to be united. In your travels, what do you think causes so much hatred towards these people? So I do have, uh, you know, I, um, I'm a cisgender queer filmmaker. So I, I've lived my whole, uh, probably about more of like 35 years as an out, proud gay man. And I can tell you that the main uh, reason I think that people have the fear, because it's just fear, is ignorance and indifference. Uh, I see it when I go back to Peru. I mean, people claiming, oh, they have never heard of that. They've never known anybody like that. And, you know, I understand. People are fearful to come out of the closet. That's fine, you know, uh, in, in a country like Peru. But here, I mean, there's no reason why you can claim that you are fearful of these people. That if they're sitting in the, bath, in the stall next to you in a bathroom, you know, because you see them only as a, a, as a stereotype or something that's being created by the media, mm-hmm. you know, not as people. I know, I know these people. They're my friends. They're my chosen family. I know them as people. They're, I don't even want to qualify them because it's like I'm talking about some, you know, alien race. They're not. They're just, just, just like us. I mean, I always tell parents, you know, Ophelia didn't set out, didn't do anything in her life to have a, ch- a child like, like Zoe. So anybody who's a parent, who's you know, in bearing years that can have a child, a dad or a mom, could have a child like Zoe or a trans boy or a gender nonconforming boy. And, and it has, it's, not your, it's, it's nothing that you did. It's just nature. It just came out like that. Or you can have a gay child. You can have a lesbian child. And that's, that's nature. It happens to everyone. Nobody has a monopoly on, on these things. I mean, everything happens for a reason. And I think usually happens to families to, for them to learn something. But I think in general for the people who feel like they're, oh, no one in their family has had this happen to them or they don't know anyone is because they just don't open their eyes because we're all out there, you know, I mean, you can tell by the media in the last 30 years how many we've seen gay and lesbian people everywhere. And then mm-hmm. you find out that beyond that, there being more because there's queer history, you know. And trans people have been in existence since forever. We just didn't know about it. We were ignorant. I was ignorant of it. And I had to learn by hanging out with people like Bambi and her friends, you know. So... It's out there the way we want to learn about science and health and all of those things, space and all of that. that. You can learn about gender as well. And you can learn about, you know, by being interested, you know, and wanting to be a more around human being. Yeah. Thank you. What can we do to make sure that this film gets shown at at other in other cities, for instance, in my hometown, Santa Maria, it's a very conservative mm. city. 
Um, and I think that right now there is a big movement to, um, to, to a big movement to support our immigrant and LGBT um, communities, especially in Santa Maria. And so um, I think that this would be a great film for us to show out there. And um, it's also, if we can have it in Spanish, I mean, that would be amazing. Um, so what can what? we do to make sure that that happens? <laughs> where, where is Santa Maria? Is it nearby? It's, it's an hour north from here. Oh, okay. Okay, because actually we are... Um, uh, I got a grant to show the film in Central Valley, uh, and we're actually having our first uh, screening in Bakersfield in um, May 17, which is actually the day of um, the uh, anti-homophobia and transphobia around the world, International Day. Mm -hmm. And actually our hostess is going to be the honorable and remarkable Dolores Huerta, which I'm so proud of that. Um, she, she has met Zoe and Ophelia, and she loves them, and she just wanted to be there. And then we're going to show it in Merced, and then we're going to show it in Fresno. You know? So we can talk after the, you know, after the Q&A, and we can see how we can bring the film to, to your community. And um, yeah, we're more, more than happy. And those two screenings, uh, three screenings, we're going to have uh, Ophelia and Zoe come to us, because I think it's important for them to interact with them. Yeah. Those thanks for your question. And I was curious if you had time constraint on how long the film could be, whether there's a director's cut, and I just wondered how you edited the film. Were there scenes that you wanted to put in and couldn't put in? Uh, I'm just curious about your filmmaking process. Um, okay, thanks for that question. Um, so... Uh, well, I mean, my premise was from the very beginning because I knew I was dealing with people who have their own lives. And I, I thought that having a camera there was intrusive. And I found that actually after I did the work for the whole year, how intrusive I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but always very respectful, of course, of the things that didn't want to have documented. Um, so from the very beginning, I told them I was going to make the film in, in a year span. And like I said, I didn't know, like I told Abby, I didn't know what was going to happen that year. Mm. I didn't know about the hormones. I didn't know about the, the she becoming the co-marshal, uh, she going to New York. Those things were like not even in the, so it was just a miracle of a year where, you know, someone who's 13 went through. I mean, can you imagine? I never went through when I was 13. I think I was just trying to get over my pimples. Um, uh, so I was, um, I, I think I was just really focused on that time span because I, I wanted to make the film uh, topical, you know, because as you saw, Zoe grows from being the fat little girl into this beautiful young woman in such a, you know, in a span of one year. And I thought that that was magical, that we will never be able to capture that part of her life, you know. Uh, and so that was the whole year of filming. Then it took almost a year to get the funding to do the editing. The editing was done by this wonderful man in Woodland Hills, Andrew Kimeri. And he basically just told me, Dante, I don't care if you have money or not, but I want to do this film. Mm. 
okay, because he just had a little daughter, and he said, my, like I was telling you before, you know, your, your friend next to you, he said, my daughter could turn to be a lesbian or transgender, and I want parents to know, and now I know as, as, as a father that they need to love their kids no matter what. And one thing that it was, and I was telling Abby during our break on the green room, that it's hard to put funding for a film of this kind because I, uh, because it's, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's because it's a Latino queer family and there's really no infrastructure for it, you know. Um, And I really wanted to make a film that celebrated them. And I think I was able to, you know, with my enthusiasm and passion to get people involved in the film, uh, like Andrew. And we worked a little piecemeal when he didn't have a job because he works at Google and Microsoft and all editing stuff. We would do it sometimes online. And we spent, like, very little time together. But he got me. He got the spirit that I wanted to imbue onto the film. And... uh, he loved this, he loved the family, and I think that's the thing that that really uh, uh, you know puts the ribbon around the film is that we all really love what we were doing. I thought it was something that was going to mean something to us in the long run. Thank you so much again, Dante. This was amazing. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.